Welcome to Middle School Walk and Talk, a podcast series offering heart, hope, and health to members of our middle school communities. Take a walk with co-hosts Phyllis Fagel and Joe Mazza as they discuss self-care, student well-being, school culture, and more. Middle School Walk and Talk is a production of the Association for Middle Level Education and is designed to support the concepts outlined in our foundational text, The Successful Middle School, This We Believe. Learn more at amle.org. Today's episode, Transitioning into Summer and the Iceberg Exercise. Hey, Phyllis, welcome back. Thanks, nice to see you. Nice to see you too, Phyllis. We've got a, a pretty cool show today. Today is day 255 since the start of school. Holy smokes. We're wow. still. How many really- times have we gotten up and like, okay, we're going to do this again? We're going to be safe. We're going to do it the right way. Who knows what's going to happen today, but we're ready. It's weird because it feels like both the first six weeks of the year and the last six weeks of the year at the same time, because we came back in person full time a few weeks ago. So everybody needs reminders about routines, but everybody's also so burnt out and ready for summer. Yeah. And the changing demographics, we're down below 50 that are remote from 300, you know, a couple months ago. So um, we just about have a full middle school which is great, you know, because kids are being kids again and they're doing more and more and there's announcements being made across the country, not quite here yet, um, about masks rules and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think kids are seeing around the country, things are getting better. Um, however, there are still things happening in places like India. We have a lot of families, um, you know, that have um, family in India. Uh, so that's certainly something that reminds us a lot of where we were a year ago. Um, you know, here in the United States. But, um, you know, I think we want to just talk a little bit about today what we're hearing and seeing right now out of kids and um, how we're going to help them get to the finish line and um, at the same time taking taking ownership of what we're doing um, and and how we can best support ourselves in our work. Definitely. And I think something to keep in mind is that a lot of our assumptions about how students are doing need to be tested. We, I went into uh, all of the fifth and sixth grade classrooms with our head of school recently because there was just so much social stuff going on. And there were kids who were calling home to go home in the middle of the day because they were struggling and there were, the emotions were just so high and hot and we wanted to get a read on how individuals were doing. And so I went into the classrooms with her. And the first thing we said was, just so you all know, we don't know exactly what we're doing either. We've never been through a pandemic. We worry all of the time that we're not doing enough to support you. We wanna know how we can support you better. And then we did something called the iceberg exercise, which is a worksheet that has a picture of an iceberg on it. And the top, the part that's sticking out is the part you see and the bottom is the, but if you really knew me. And we let the kids fill them out anonymously. And I read through them later and it was shocking to me because to a person, they all said things like, you would think I'm confident and smart and I have everything mapped out. And then underneath it was, I'm constantly overwhelmed. I think no one likes me. I'm insecure. I feel fat. I sometimes try not to eat for several days. I always am carrying around this massive bucket of stress waiting for it to tip over and cry. And later that night, I shared an article from the New York Times that was 
called sophomore year 2020 and it was about a high school student's struggles or several high school students struggles during the last year and i tweeted it out and i said and i got a response from actually susan levine who's a counselor who said some kids are carrying around a suitcase of stress and some kids are carrying around a backpack of stress and I replied to her and said, and some kids are carrying around a rainbow unicorn happy face emoji backpack that's stuffed with the darkness that they have been hiding from everyone. So we really do have to be asking that question. How are you doing in ways that they're comfortable responding? I think you, you when you started talking about that, you, you were pretty vulnerable yourself. And I think normalizing those feelings for kids um, that, you know, just because we're the adults and, you know, we are supposed to have the answers and supposed to know what we're doing. We've never been through a pandemic either. We've never been on day 255 and, you know, are thinking about our own stamina and, and the ups and downs and, and how much we've grown. And, and like we just said before we got on here, are we doing everything we're supposed to be doing right now? You know, um, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot mixed in there. Um, but I think asking the kids, right? You're asking the kids, you're, you're leaning on the relationships that have been built over the previous 200 something days. And they're going to tell us. And, and they did. So after we did that exercise, we said, so what can we do to make this better? And we didn't read the iceberg responses within the class that where we had done the exercise, but we did read cross grades so that we could normalize for them. Everybody is feeling anxious. Everybody is feeling awkward. Everybody is wondering if their friend is their friend and if things will ever return to normal and if they can manage all of the changes that have been thrown their way. And when we asked them what we could do to make it better, we started out by saying we can't fix everything. Our, our, we're not yet doing interscholastic sports competitions, so we can't change that for you. We can't suddenly take away masks because we still have a mask mandate. But within reason, we'd like to do what you what would be beneficial for you. And their ideas were actually, they, they, they got us brainstorming. They wanted puppies. We can do that. We're going to do that. We're going to bring in puppies. They want, I'm going to actually bring in my own puppy who's hypoallergenic and just nine pounds of fluffy love. And they wanted to see if their teachers could coordinate more to ensure that the workload was more equitably distributed. Also totally doable. They wanted to, their teachers to, be explicit if they were willing to talk to kids about personal problems as opposed to offering academic help. Again, we take it for granted that we're always happy to help kids and that we don't need to say that out loud, but they really didn't feel comfortable approaching without permission. And then they wanted more time to see kids in the other cohorts outside, which also was something we are able to accommodate, but we've had to be a little bit creative and do things like outdoor walks or going to a park. And after they shared what they needed and what they wanted, more variety, more recess, just more support, one of the teachers started brainstorming. And today she took her class out to have popsicles and do Mad Libs just as a fun break. And she was very intentional about telling them in advance because our middle school principal wanted to make sure that we were not springing surprises because one of our goals is to help them feel like they can look forward to things with enthusiasm again, with joy to trust that they will actually come to fruition. And, you know, now's the time where it seems like as we get to the end of the year, 
there are a lot of things going on, you know, and we're actually having a moving up from eighth to ninth grade that's going to be in person. It's going to be outside, but these are things to start looking forward to. There's only a couple of weeks away. Um, but to your point, you know, surprises are great, but, you know, giving kids from week to week, hey, what's going on next week? These are all the exciting things that we weren't really talking about being able to do these things in September, but here's where we are. We're able to do this, able to do that. We've done a lot of student voice polls over the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, as we've started to open up some things and be able to do some things versus the, instead of the adults, just, okay, this sounds like a good idea for them. Like, just ask the kids, they're going to tell you. Um, you know, you talked about dogs today. We had bring your dog to school day on Flipgrid, you know, so we have a hundred something dogs all over the school. Um, Literally? Yeah. Yeah. Not in real time on Flipgrid. Oh. The, 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 <laughs> the apps. Um, you know, but these are things that, you know, a lot of these dogs and we, we ask kids to let us know which are the, which ones, you know, did you rescue or did you purchase over the pandemic, you know, pandemic pups and um, whatnot. And that's, these are things that bring joy um, to school and blur the lines between home and school. Um, so those things are important. We ask kids about, um, you know, the cicadas. Hey, you know, you're hearing this, you're seeing this everywhere. You know, are you excited about it? You know, somebody like, ah, they're gross. Oh, I don't want them to bite me. Well, they don't bite. They're very friendly. They don't do much, but the three or four things they're on earth to do or inside the earth to do. But, you know, we're going to take that to the next level. If they're jacked about that, we're going to come up with some kind of pop-up research center outside so we can study them, learn about them while they're here for the two or three weeks. And um, But these are things that in May and June, we're always looking for things that are going to keep their attention and engagement. They're already talking about that. There's lots of learning opportunities built into that um, and ways to kind of come together and laugh and, and, and share. And to pique their curiosity and get them invested in what, what they're doing. Uh, one of the things that I have been writing about recently and, and will hopefully finish after we talk is an article for the post and initially my editor had asked me to write about how to help kids get back a sense of purpose and your your activity with the cicadas really made me think about what I'm writing in that article because I initially responded to her after sitting on the idea for a few days and said you know I don't think I can write the article you want because purpose feels really aspirational right now. But here's the article I think I can write. We can help parents, help teachers figure out ways to get kids back in their bodies, staying in the building, invested in those smaller, more quotidian activities over the course of the day, you know, seeing a younger body, seeing a teacher from another class who they maybe had in the past, having a conversation with a friend in the lunchroom, and hope that over time they get more invested in coming, find more meaning in, you know, the bigger things that maybe used to bring them joy if they suddenly lost interest in whatever musical instrument they played, maybe getting back into that regular routine will help them get back to a place eventually. But purpose with a capital P does feel a little aspirational. Uh, I was talking recently with Dr. DeLapp, Ryan DeLapp, for this article, and he was talking about the concept of outside in versus inside out and how often when we think about motivation, we think about how we have this desire to do something. We have an emotion that spurs us to do something. And so we do it. If we love to read, we go to the library and we get science fiction books or nonfiction, whatever we like. If we 
love to play baseball, we go outside and we throw a ball around with a friend or with a parent. But often, particularly if kids are feeling flat or if they're afraid to anticipate anything with excitement because so much has been unpredictable up in the air, we actually have to work in reverse. We have to help them engage in the activities, maybe even activities they're resisting that once brought them pleasure in the hopes that that will elicit the emotion that initially gave them the motivation to participate in that activity. So the mere act of getting your kid out of bed, in the shower, on the bus, to school, where they're going to have these micro interactions with friends that are pleasant and maybe also help address some of the anxiety about returning and that social piece that they've been experiencing will then lead to more actual sense of purpose. I've had a couple of families reach out um, because, you know, as I've shared in past podcasts, we, we, we have kids coming week to week on their status and that can change. But we also have an opportunity for them to come in and try it on Wednesdays for the half day Wednesdays. And, you know, even with that, you know, there's a couple of families are like, you know, we're, we're just really worried. And, you know, we haven't had knock on wood quarantine in months, you know, here. It's been great, you know, not to, you know, have to make a thousand calls at 10 o'clock at night and ruin everyone's day. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, can the can we come over and tour the school and see where this is going to be and ask these questions? You know, the families can't come over, but after school, um, you know, when no one's here, I will absolutely, we can do those things. We can, we can help people feel comfort uh, and, and just try to meet their needs and answer their questions. And, um, you know, it, it's a gradual um, flow of kids coming back to the point where we're trending to have only 10 or 15 tops, you know, uh, by June 1st that are not here. And in my mind, that's the goal, right, is to be consistent, meaning most of the people are back to school before the end of school. Um, you know, as we it, will, it will certainly make it easier in the fall. We had a student return yesterday who hadn't been here at all other than for some after school sports. And one of the things she said to me is that school goes so much faster that the same classes that feel like two hours on Zoom go by in a flash when she's here in person. She also said, and I thought this was interesting, that there were a couple of kids she thought were ignoring her that had maybe iced her out. And it was looming large in her mind in part, I'm sure, because she wasn't having any organic interactions with them. She was just at home mostly thinking about it and it was getting amplified in her mind. And she said, when I came back, they just talked to me like nothing was wrong. And I realized, you know what, nothing is wrong. And so a lot of these students have been living so much in their heads. I've had other students who've resisted coming back for all kinds of reasons. And again, this goes back to the idea of asking students what's going on. I've had students who were afraid that they might be teased because they had gained weight during the pandemic. I've had kids who really enjoyed playing video games at home. And I had to work with the parents on maybe making it a little less fun at home to take away some of those enticing features of being at home to make it more desirable to come to school. Because what we really don't want, and I know we've talked about this before, is for kids to opt out completely. And it's interesting what you mentioned about students coming to tour your school. I think that's really important. And a lot of my students, especially ones who are transitioning to new schools next year, don't have the opportunity to have those transition activities. 
And the kids themselves, again, they have their own voice, are figuring out what they need to do. And so one of my students actually is transferring to the school where I used to work. And so I had told her I would let the principal there know about her. And I did. And, you know, she's a great, great kid. I'm going to miss her terribly. And afterwards, she stopped by my office maybe the next day to just to chat. And I mentioned that I had told the principal about her and told him a few stories about her. And she said, well, I want to write him myself. And I said, all right, she sat on my computer and she sent him a note and she told him, she kind of poured out her heart, which is probably one of the features of going to a very small school. I, I don't know how many notes you would get of this nature from one of his 1500 students, but she said, I don't know anyone there. You're now officially the only person I know. So I'm writing you to say hello. And I heard there are 500 kids over there. Is that actually true? Because there are only 24 kids in my grade. Only nine of them are girls. And by the way, two of them are my eternal enemies. But just so you know, it's all their fault, which was <laughs> really, she's a very funny kid. But he wrote her back and he answered her questions. And then she went to one of the online orientations and she popped in again and sent him a thank you note and told me that she felt so much better because she had an opportunity to express how she was feeling, to make a connection with someone at the school, to learn more about it. And I think we have to make sure that we do the same, not only for the kids who are leaving and going to new schools, but for kids who are coming back to our school and who might be wondering what it will look like in the fall. What's, what can they anticipate with certainty? Is there anything that they can hold on to and know for sure that will make them feel more comfortable about coming into the building in the fall? I think the weather is just so nice every day. We've been really fortunate that um, kids are spending more and more time outside, kind of like we started the year, um, you know, but, um, you know, I think the three feet rule is something that everybody's talking about. Um, they haven't changed the DOH CDC here, so we would make that change yet. But, um, you know, pretty soon kids are going to be able to play with other kids on the playground. And back, I remember one of our earliest podcasts, we're talking about the problem with, the kid at recess looking down the other side of the recess yard when they can only watch that kid play with other kids that they would like to be with, but they can't. But these are all the positives that are like literally right around the corner right now. And, you know, I think we've got to keep reassuring kids because, you know, these adolescents really have a hard time of, of thinking big picture. You know, they, they're so stuck right here where they are is that, you know, we're going to be able to do all these things, you know, and you're going to continue to tell us how we can help you now but these are all the things that we're looking forward to and um, and they they really want things to look forward to my own seventh grade son who's getting vaccinated or getting his first vaccine on saturday one of the things my husband told him was that as soon as he's fully vaccinated they can go to a nats game to go, go to the baseball game and it's all he can talk about now because i think it's been Bryce so Harper hit that home run the other night yeah i mean what? there's a lot of baseball on in my house <laughs> but just the fact that he's talking about it all the time, really, I think it's a reflection of the fact that kids desperately want to be able to hold on to exciting future events. And we can think about how we can create that for them, whether it's in the school setting or outside of school. And hopefully we will be able to follow through. I think all signs are pointing to being able to move forward with some more normalcy. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I don't know that I've asked it point blank to a large group of students lately, but 
to ask them, okay, so where we are right now, let's kind of assess, like, what are the things that you still can't do that you really miss doing that you hope we can do that soon? And just kind of get a feel, because maybe there's things that actually, because we've been so like, these are the rules and we will talk about it again next year. Maybe there are actually some windows of opportunity. Maybe there's some things that we can kind of find a way to be creative and accomplish those things. Or even if we can't, showing kids that we're trying and we're listening and, you know, it's just another way to, for them to see in us and trust us that we care. And we know this sucks, but you know, we're all getting through it together. Um, and then lastly, the parents are seeing and hearing the things that we're not um, at school behind the mask. There's no masks on at home. Like they're seeing all the emotions, all those kind of things. I think it's, and this is where the homeschool partnership comes into place. Like we need to solicit where our kids are, you know, right now. And I feel like it's a good time to reach out. We have a, um, a parent meeting coming up uh, next week to just talk about, you know, getting some feedback about, hey, if we do go, go to three feet, or if we do collapse some double pods and, um, and whatnot because of the changing rules, you know, but I think I'm going to ask also about how, how's it going? You know, how's it going right now based upon, you know, where we were a year ago, where we were six months ago, like, where are the kids? Are they doing okay? Are they doing way better than we are? And, uh, and also, how are you, the parent? Because as we know, the number one predictor of resilience is the emotional well-being and the ability of a caring adult to tend to a child's needs. And we know for teachers in particular, this time last year, the and this is from Authentic Connections uh, work on faculty resilience in Dr. Luthar, we know that 20% of teachers were burned out this time last year, but right now 40% are burned out. And I can't remember where I saw this other statistic that 48% of principals want to quit. And so we can't neglect the needs of all of these adults because they are going to be, you know, the secret sauce that help our kids and our students get through all of this. Nobody asked me if I wanted to quit. I'm not in those statistics, but I will, <laughs> um, I will share with my colleagues, like we've, we did it. We're almost there. Like, I feel like all of us are going to just, you know, just have this part of our career where like it's, we look back on it with accomplishment. Um, of course there's anguish and there's sadness and there's stress and whatnot, but you know, I feel like it's a really good time to come together. Um, you know, and if you don't have that tribe, so to speak, you know, I've got a big boxer group of middle school principals and we're constantly we've gotten closer through the, all of this, but um, you know, the support is there. The support is still there. Support yourself. Um, don't, don't leave if you have talents to bring to these kids. You know, uh, but it is hard. It, it has. It is hard. It, we're, you know, we're getting our students T-shirts that they can decorate and have their classmates sign that say, "I survived the 2021 school year," and I'm sure we will get ones for ourselves as well. I think that's a fun activity with pride, and you know, it's 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 like an accomplishment. You know, um, and it is. It, it will always, you know, kind of remember this, and hopefully, we've learned enough so that it never happens again. But you never know. You never know. So on that note, um, we've we've gone pretty long today. Maybe we'll split this up in the two. Um, but we want to talk about celebrations. I think that's going to be the next podcast uh, because that's where we've got to be headed. We've got to have people thinking about, you know, not just ending the year and going into summer like, whoo, that's over. But like, let's celebrate it. Like <laughs> this is a, this is arguably the greatest accomplishment I've ever had in my life to survive this whole thing. So um, I, I think we've just got to just be reflective, um, be positive. Um, you know, you were saying something about, you know, this kid feeling like, like 
this person wrong. You know, be forgive. You know, forget. Realize that people are in all kinds of different emotions. Um, you know, the way they talk and act. You know, you know whether it's behaviors. These are not things that are intentional. This is just part of um, our response, our normal human developmental response. And um, you know, kids need us to just keep loving on them. You know, and keep supporting them, and 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 you know, we could get frustrated, right? But we got to keep hitting the reset button and realize they're ten, you know, they're twelve, you know, they're they're thirteen. So, um, Phyllis, as always, thank you. I always learn so much when I'm talking to you. I feel very fortunate and uh, um, lucky that I get to have conversations uh, with you about lots of these things, and I always leave feeling better prepared to serve uh, kids um, and having these conversations. So, thank you. Thank you. I feel the same exact way. We will be back with another podcast um, soon. Uh, it's going to be about celebrations and how we should be spending our June uh, as we head on into, uh, into the well-deserved summer. Bye. Bye.